This is chapter 8 of Robert Kiyosaki's Capitalist Manifesto. Some of you may know he's the author of the international best-selling Rich Dad Poor Dad. Hey, Danny. And uh, what you're going to hear, you're probably not going to like it. Uh, That's for sure. What you're going to hear me reading, um, you're probably not going to like it. That is because uh, Robert Kiyosaki seems to have gotten more radical as time goes along. Um, It's fascinating to me, but uh, this is is interesting for people who aren't capitalistically minded. Is that a word, capitalistically? (laughs) If you don't have a capitalist mindset, then um, this might offend you. Some of the things that that he says for sure are indeed intense, especially when I get to the part about brain slaves. Um, So this is chapter 8. It's called Self-Defense in the Capitalist Manifesto. It starts off with a quote. Only two things are infinite the universe, and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the former. Albert Einstein. Human stupidity is infinite? It's enough to make you stop and think about it, that's for sure. And then I look at the world around me, and maybe it's not so far off the mark. And they are words often attributed to Albert Einstein. One thing I do know is that my stupidity is infinite. And it's from my infinite pool of stupidity that I find knowledge, information, and occasionally some wisdom. As Nelson Mandela said, the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time you fall. Schools teach stupidity when they punish students for making mistakes. How does a person learn if they never make a mistake? How does a child learn to walk if they never fall, or are punished for falling? If, if, as Nelson Mandela said, the glory lies not in never falling, then why is making mistakes so stigmatized? Making mistakes does not mean you're stupid. Mistakes are how we learn. Opportunities to learn how to do something differently or better. Yet in my experience, teachers focus on mistakes versus moving through them to find the lessons there. I think that's one of the reasons why most teachers are poor. Bucky Fuller addresses this when he writes about how God designed humans. Human beings were given a left foot and a right foot to make a mistake, first to the left, then to the right, left again, and repeat. I heard Fuller on stage once when he put it this way. God did not give us a right foot and a wrong foot. One definition of intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. An intelligent person is someone who makes mistakes and learns from the mistakes. Schools focus so much on memorizing the right answers and so little on what we can learn from our mistakes. Fuller once told our class, God designed humans to learn by making mistakes. I think about babies learning to walk, kids learning to ride bikes and drive cars. What if we were punished every time you fell or made a mistake? We might all still be crawling. I believe we were designed to learn from our mistakes. Then schools punish us for making them. One of my favorite quotes from Einstein is... Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Elon Musk says, As much as possible, avoid hiring MBAs. MBA programs don't teach people how to create companies. Kim and I made this mistake once. We paid an executive headhunter to find a CEO with an MBA. Not only did we have to pay the headhunter a percentage of the new CEO's salary, but we paid the new CEO a $250,000 signing bonus. Kim and I agree with Elon Musk. 
entrepreneurs do not need MBAs. Steve Jobs said, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Repeating Einstein's words, imagination is more important than knowledge. And Rich Dad, who said, entrepreneurs require imagination, courage, and especially the humility to learn from their mistakes. The biggest killer of imagination is school. School teaches students that there are right answers and wrong answers, and only school teachers know the right answers. There are cases, I'm sure, where if a teacher admitted to making a mistake, he or she would be fired, or at least they think they would be. That's a terrible way to live. And I do think that is why most teachers are poor. Oftentimes they see only one answer, one path. Many live in fear of not finding that right answer, of making mistakes that could lead them to discovering and living the life they deserve. I love rock and roll. I loved rock and roll. That's why I was in the rock and roll business, until I met Bucky Fuller. One of my favorite rock stars was Jimi Hendrix, a rock legend. He was not a college professor, but he was a very smart man. A quote widely attributed to Hendrix is this, Knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. Red Hot Real Estate. In 2008, the real estate market was red hot. Everyone was talking about real estate. People were quitting their jobs to become professional real estate flippers. I remember standing at the checkout counter at Safeway when the clerk handed me her real estate card. Smiling, she started telling me about how much money people were making in real estate by flipping houses. As she packed my groceries into bags, I asked her, what happens if the real estate market crashes? She replied, the price of real estate always goes up. She then tried to get me to invest with her. I listened to her pitch, but said nothing. Joseph P. Kennedy, father of President John Kennedy said, if shoe shine boys are giving you stock tips, it's time to get out of the market. In 2008, Ken McElroy and I were waiting for the real estate market to crash. In 2008, we already knew there was a crash in the repo market. In 2008, Ken and I were owners of about 2,500 apartment units. We were losing tenants that year because banks had loosened their qualifying requirements and our tenants were buying homes rather than renting. In many cases, they were homes they couldn't afford. We knew that because most of those tenants could barely afford the security deposit on their rental. So, in 2008, Kenny and I waited and listened. In 2008, one of the biggest crashes in history occurred. Ken and I knew the crash took place in the derivatives market. Warren Buffett warned about derivatives, saying, Derivatives are financial weapons of mass destruction. Rather than blame the giant commercial banks, the financial press blamed the crash on subprime real estate investors. Banksters, aka gangsters with MP MBAs, were paid millions or billions in bonuses while mom and pop lost everything. Crashes make the rich richer. In 2010, Kim, Ken, and I borrowed over 300 million and bought great apartment complexes at rock bottom prices and at extremely low interest rates. As Rich Dad taught his son and me, you make money, you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. And as Warren Buffett has said, the rich invest in time, the poor invest in money. In 2021, Ken, Kim and I control over 8,000 rental units. We are over a billion dollars in debt and know firsthand that if you understand markets and debt and how to use it wisely, crashes can make you rich. In 2021, we are waiting for the next crash. Repo market crash. As I've stated in a previous chapter, on September 17, 2019, there was a giant crash in the repo market with interest rates spiking to 10%. In April 2021, the reverse repo kicked in. Again, no one seems to have noticed. In 2021, the stock market and real estate market are at all-time highs as government stimulus checks flood the economy. 
In the summer of 2021, as I write this book, my phone is running hot. It seems everyone has a deal of a lifetime that they want me to invest in. By Jenny. FOMO plus greed equals insanity. To invest at the top of a market is insanity. Yet, that is when so many people invest. FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out, takes over. Greed is not good at market tops. This quote bears repeating. Only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the former. If I've learned one thing about human nature, it's that greed can make people do stupid things. For many years, I have asked people I meet, what did school teach you about money? I estimate that 90% of the time, all I get is a blank stare. It's almost as if they are embarrassed to say nothing. Most of the time, the person is an educated, hardworking individual. I suspect that the person is too embarrassed to ask a question. The fear of looking stupid taught by our schools is an epidemic. As Gad Saad said, Gad Sayad said, an, an evolutionary psychologist and professor, and in this case, the virus is not biological virus, it's a mind virus. That's why I call them idea pathogens or parasitic ideas. So where do these idea pathogens come from? They all come from the university ecosystem. In other words, as I always remind people, it takes intellectuals and professors to come up with some of the dumbest ideas. Um, Danny, you wanna, these flies are fucking with me. They're not gonna eat my cheesecake though. <laughs> can I make, can what I? What is the link that you provided here? From the Central Stockwell Library. Make uh, Jenny or me or whoever moderator so we can invite. Oh yeah. So, um, but we won't talk. We're gonna listen. Okay, but what is this? Tell, tell me what is that? Um, oh, um, uh, it's the U.S. Census um, has data on estimated revenue of employer firms providing mental health services in selected industries grew to more than one hundred billion dollars in twenty twenty one. Oh. That's the. And it okay. just there's all the data here, but it's not for anything right now. I just wanted to put okay. it out. No, I'll, I'll look at that later. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Who are you reading hey, again? Uh, once again, it's the Capitalist Manifesto. Awesome. All right. I'm about to I'm about to get wicked and kill these little flies that are flying around here. All right. Um, all right. Here we go. So, um, it takes intellectuals and professors to come up with some of the dumbest ideas. That was flies that are flying around here. All right, um, all right, here we go. So, um, it takes intellectuals and professors to come up with some of the dumbest ideas. That was from Gad Sayad, the evolutionary psychologist and professor. Continuing, I grew up in a family of highly educated educators. In the culture of academics, it is a sign of weakness to say, I don't know. So, many academics think they have, or pretend they have, all the answers. Even worse, I've observed them saying, yeah, I know that. It seems I've observed them saying, yeah, I know that. It seems to be more of a defensive move than an outright lie. But regardless of what it actually is, to me, it's a sign of a closed mind. I like the words of Confucius, 551 to 479 BC. The man who asks a question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask is a fool for life. If you take a minute to think about it, how many times have you been afraid of looking stupid? I lost count long ago. Once you realize how much you can learn by asking questions, you lose your feeling of looking stupid. The fear of being stupid is an idea pathogen. The definition of a pathogen is a bacterium, virus, or other microorganism that can cause a disease. We're talking about idea pathogens. I remember when I was in high school, I never had any dates. One day my rich dad asked me, why don't you date anyone? When I said, I'm afraid she'll say no, he just laughed and said, so you decided to say no for her? It took me a while to clear that you decided to say no for her. It took me a while to clear that idea pathogen, idea pathogen. 
1983, a few months after Fuller passed away, I saw the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. Her name was Kim. Immediately, I asked her if she would go out with me. Kim said no for six months. Immediately, I asked her if she would go out with me. Kim said no for six months. Um, I kept asking, kept looking foolish until one day she said, yes, if not for Kim, there would be no rich dad company. I would not be a rich man today if I had let myself say no for Kim. Hey, Carnal, how you doing? Let me ask you a question. How many times do you reject yourself? Repeating the words of wisdom from Confucius. The man who asks a question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask is a fool for life. My concern about modern education is that it's built on a foundation of fear. Most people leave school with the fear of making mistakes, the fear of looking stupid, and the fear of failing. Pathogen of fear. As Gad Sayad says, it's a mind virus. I call education a pathogen of, a pathogen of fear. That is why stupidity is infinite. This pathogen of fear is the primary reason most people will never be rich. People leave school so afraid of making mistakes that they remain stupid and, in many cases, poor. Just because it's easier to pretend you know it all than to ask questions that will open your mind and teach you things you may not know. Fear, in my opinion, is the primary reason why the gap between rich and poor, the haves and have-nots, grows wider. Fear versus Freedom Making matters worse, the pathogen of fear causes many to spend their lives clinging to security rather than taking a shot at freedom, true freedom. My rich dad did not finish school. He dropped out of school at age 13 because his father died and he had to take over the family business. My rich dad did what few people do. He admitted to himself that he didn't know everything and surrounded himself with what Fuller called brain slaves. All right, people. This is where it's going to get uh, touchy for some of you listening. Hello on Wisdom, uh, to Doobie, TaylorMade, Lois, Bobby Revenge, Roy, Karaoke Box, Nikita, and Sunny. All right. The history of education begins with illiterate and ambitious warlords who were financing schools to take advantage of brain slaves. In Fuller's words, we find that the historical beginnings of schools and tutoring were established and economically supported by illiterate and vastly ambitious warlords who required a wide variety of brain slaves with which to logistically and ballistically overwhelm those who opposed their expansion of physical conquest. Rich Dad did not finish high school, much less college, so he used brain slaves like lawyers and accountants to fight his battles in areas where he just didn't have the knowledge or experience. As I have written about in previous books, some of my favorite times were Saturdays when Rich Dad held his monthly meetings. He bought breakfast and brain slaves came to share their knowledge. Rich Dad would ask questions, sharing his business problems, and then Rich Dad listened. Rich Dad's son Mike and I would sit, enjoy the breakfast, and learn more in two hours about the real world than we were learning in high school. All Rich Dad did was present his business problems and ask questions from a table filled with very smart people, brain slaves, who were accountants, attorneys, construction workers, human resource specialists, real estate agents, insurance agents, and so on. He could not afford to pay them by the hour, so he bought them breakfast, and they had fun showing off how smart they were, solving Rich Dad's problems. On top of that, many in the group became great friends and started doing business with each other. As Jimi Hendrix said, Knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. What is this over here on wisdom? Thank you, um, Dr. Robert. Uh, said his book is out on Amazon. Unaware of your awareness. I'm going to check that out. Thank you for reminding me. Um, here we go. Rich Dad asked questions and listened. That's how he became rich. And exactly as Fuller has said, the warlord vitiated their threat by making them all specialists and reserving to himself exclusively the right to think about and act comprehensively. When he taught our class, Fuller said, schools teach students to be specialists. I teach you to be generalists. Specialists focus on the small picture. 
a generalist focuses on the big picture. The specialist brain slaves stayed small and rich dad got richer. His business empire kept growing all across Hawaii. If you look at Waikiki Beach today, the Hyatt Regency Hotel sits on the most prominent position in Waikiki. With the help of his Saturday breakfasts, Rich Dad acquired the land under that magnificent hotel in 1969. He sold it just before the 2008 crash and made yet another fortune. As Jimi Hendrix said, uh, see you later, Connell. Appreciate you. He said he has his own, his own books to read. Although this is a worthy book, catch you later. So yes, sir. See you later, Carnal. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, Lysol. How you doing? Hey, Greg. Um, uh, again, as Jimi Hendrix said, knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. Rich Dad became rich because he listened to smart people. Question. How did Rich Dad vitiate the threats from the brain slaves? Answer. If any one of the brain slaves had an idea Rich Dad was interested in, Rich Dad often hired him or her on the spot, promising to pay them what they asked. Question. So only Rich Dad gained from the knowledge he was now paying the brain slave for? Answer. You got it. Vitiate means Rich Dad intentionally spoiled or impaired the power of the smarter brain slaves by paying them to become even more specialized, solving Rich Dad's problem. And everyone enjoyed a free tax-deductible breakfast on Rich Dad. When you, question, when you were 10 years old, did you know you were going to be a warlord? <laughs> Answer, yes. I knew I was not smart, en smart enough to be a brain slave. I knew I, I was not smart enough to be a lawyer, accountant, or medical doctor. But I knew I was smart enough to be a capitalist. Yeah, the new Twitter logo, uh, uh, Danny. That's um, that's that's the X from you know uh, X Corp, which sounds a lot like the villainous Lex Corp from the the DC Comics. <laughs> X Corp. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, continuing. Um, so, Rich Dad used the cash flow quadrant to guide his son and me to becoming uh, capitalist on the B and I side of the quadrant. So people don't know about the cash flow quadrant from Rich Dad Poor Dad, his second book in 1998. E and S are on the left side, which means employee, um, and S is at the bottom left, which means specialist or self-employed. Um, B and I are on the right side. B is at the top right, which means business or big business, like over 500 employees, and I is an investor. Continuing, warlords are capitalists on the right side of the quadrant. Most brain slaves are specialists prisoners of their education on the E and S side of the quadrant. The Rich Dad Company produces products for people from any quadrant who value their freedom more than job security. Henry Ford, 1863 to 1947, one of America's greatest capitalists, says this about financial security. If money is your hope for independence, you will never find it. The only real security that man will have in this world is a reserve of knowledge, experience, and ability. Becoming a capitalist is financial self-defense against communism. For example, over the past 25 years, the Rich Dad Company has grown into a decentralized global brand, a network. Networks are priceless. Global decentralized networks are a defense against centralized communism. McDonald's is a decentralized fast food franchise network. Bitcoin is a decentralized cryptocurrency network. Rich Dad is a global financial education network built with booksellers and volunteer leaders running cash flow clubs. All right, I'm not going to read this part except for what Bookie Fuller warned. Speciation, because it's a cartoon. He's talking about his cartoon animations that teach capitalism. All right, so... Are you writing there, Danny? You're an ageism. You're an ageist, especially when you're in a position which affects millions. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys are having a totally different conversation over there. I love it. All right. Uh, Bucky Fuller warned, um, specialization is, in fact, only a fancy form of slavery, wherein the expert is fooled into accepting slavery by making him feel that he, in turn, is a socially and culturally preferred, ergo highly secure, in a highly secure lifelong position. How schools teach people to be poor. 
the list of the number of different ways the educational system teaches people to be poor is a long one. One way is to indoctrinate students to work for job security. The mantra goes, go to school, get a good job, work hard, pay taxes, save money, buy a house, because a house is an asset and your largest investment, and save for your retirement by investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. In many ways, security, including job security, is the opposite of freedom. With freedom comes choices, which is why I put such a high value on freedom, all types of freedom. Question. So when schools punish us for mistakes, we gain less knowledge, experience, and ability? Answer. Yes. Question. And if we work at a job and are afraid of being fired for making a mistake, we gain less knowledge, experience, and ability? Answer. Yes. That is why the pathogenic mind virus of the educational system is that mistakes make you stupid. Question. And people who memorize right answers and make no mistakes are not smart? Answer. Yes. It's really the opposite. Mistakes make you smart if you learn from them. When you make a mistake and learn, you gain knowledge, experience, and the ability to apply that knowledge. If you don't make mistakes out of fear, your stupidity remains infinite. That is why these words are so profound. Information is not knowledge. The only source of knowledge is experience. Question. Does that mean we have to find a place where we can make mistakes and learn without fear of being labeled stupid or getting fired? Answer. Yes. Think of it this way. Tiger Woods, arguably the greatest golfer in the world, has hit more bad drives and missed more putts than I ever will. That is why he is the greatest. Or Thomas Edison, who failed 1,014 times before inventing the electric light bulb. In school, the teachers labeled Edison, one of America's greatest inventors, addled. I'm going to say that that's questionable uh, about the, uh, him inventing the light bulb, but that's my own opinion. Continuing. Question. What does addled mean? Answer. It means unable to think clearly or confused. Fuller said, and again, if you don't know, he's referring to R. Buckminster Fuller. Fuller said, I am convinced all of humanity is born with more gifts than we know. Most are born geniuses and just get degeniused rapidly. And Elon Musk is credited with saying, Don't confuse schooling with education. I didn't go to Harvard, but the people that work for me did. Elon Musk is a genius. He is an entrepreneur, a capitalist, a warlord. His staff who went to Harvard are his brain slaves. Becoming a warlord, an entrepreneur, a capitalist, is self-defense against communist brain slaves running our schools. Think about these words. Stupidity is infinite. The infinite is the home of entrepreneurs, capitalists, and warlords. The infinite is not the home of brain slaves. In the next chapter, I'll get into how warlords attain infinite returns. That's it. That's, I mean, that's... That was actually short. I thought it was going to be longer than that, but um, that's crazy. I think that um, yeah, this next chapter nine is long. I'm not going to read that, but uh, so Jenny, Danny, um, or anybody else down there, Lysol, Greg, what did you think about him calling smart people who go to school and work for entrepreneurs and business owners brain slaves? You guys got any comments on that or? Yeah, Danny, what's up? I do. I'm so sorry, Danny, because I think you'll probably, you're going to have something really juicy to say. However, this is completely ignoring the, the, the real reasons why school is such a, a failure in that sense. Um, so it, it, it really just ignores the core reasons the the causal um for it so this this is of course a capitalist's book yeah and it's going to always it's always going they're always going to tell you if i can do it you can do it um and the thing about like fear and um the what was it the the the, what was that science shit that they that he mentioned? The parasite? What was oh, that? Oh, it was the pathogen, the idea pathogen. Yeah. Or the, 
idea and that, yeah. that resonates that resonates with me and i do feel like i have that pathogen however um the you know um entrepreneurial entrepreneurs um do have to risk a lot of like upfront capital to get started so you However, need to introduce capital but we don't stop you there real quick yeah. Danny, um, one of the things that he teaches and that he's demonstrated is that it's a fallacy for people to think that you need money to make money. And he's actually demonstrated that. And I actually repeated it in a little bit of a different way than he did by being able to get a, a car completely free and clear through my business. Um, and for the income that I make off of it pays for it um, with by using debt. So, but did you have good credit when you started? It was okay. Exactly. I'm I'm in the fi low 500s. Well, see. So I've I've already been like contacted New York State to see if they I would qualify for like a small business loan or something. I don't. I have shit credit. They go based on that. Um, well, I'm not a credit expert, but just, I I came back to the United States after being away for five years, and mine was in. Yeah. Uh, like the that mid 500 and it went over uh, 700 um, by the time I got the car so there are ways to do it but I mean I, I'll share some of those with you later but like I said I'm not an, I don't I'm not an expert in it I just found what I could to do it. no 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 so so then so then here's the thing so that this book could is is an excellent read especially if we can then break it down and then take these pieces and see how can we fix the system so that people have a better chance at fulfilling this entrepreneurial dream because you know what could have helped me and a lot of other people to get their credit up was our rent our rental payments right why does not get why can't we get that why can't we put that on our credit report? Yet that becomes public information if you get evicted, even though, so whatever. That's interesting uh, because it, you can put your phone bill and other utilities and exactly. things like that in your credit report. Which hasn't done a goddamn thing for me, actually. Those, I've had cable and electric and everything in my name for, for a, over a decade. And it's never helped. It's hmm. not raised my credit. It, well, it, 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 only, it doesn't raise it enough. It doesn't help enough. Right? I can only really share. Help. I can only share what I did, and um, it was actually really simple because there's all these different companies that have these ready-made credit building systems that are not. It's not one of those ones that you pay like a lawyer. Like I forget what that one is called that they trick you into. It's like this shitty one. But they're like, we're going to help you like do hard line deletions and get stuff removed from it. It's not that. Um, yeah, the repair, it, the credit repair. Yeah, the credit, I get that yeah, those, those credit repair services are fucking bullshit. They're yeah. garbage. So it's it stupid. Yeah, it's not not those. It's actually um, so. For example, one company called Chime, for example, has a debit card and a credit card, but the credit card works exactly like a debit card, whereas you can't spend more money than you you put on it. But at the end of every month, they report that you've paid um, your bill on time. So let's say you spent $10 on your Chime credit card, which is money that you just simply move from your debit card to that credit card. You, you already have it on there, right, like a debit mm -hmm. card. And so if you spend that $10, you can't spend any more because that's all you had on there. At the end of the month, they report it to the credit company that you've paid, your, you've paid back your, um, your credit card bill on time. And so every month they do that. That's one of the things that help. There's also a company called Kickoff um, Lending and some other ones. But uh, but it, I don't know if it, it works for anybody. For some reason, it did for me because, like I said, I was out of the country for five years. And I came back and my credit was like five, like 90 something. And then it mm -hmm. was by the time I went and got my car, <clears throat> it was at 720. Um which is not the best, but it was good enough for me to not have to pay any money down on my car at all. Pretty goddamn good to be in the 720. Oh, yeah. But now you, even as you're saying this, and I, I believe that this is or can be an option, but you do get system. You it's understand like, how tedious this is, right? And yeah. you can't just become an entrepreneur.
It just doesn't it. happen. Like, like I've been doing like, this for for twenty years. Like you know, I, I've been trying to do it with my websites that I've had online now for seventeen years. One of them, another one's almost eighteen years yeah, old, and shit. trying to figure out how to do this stuff on my own and. Um, by reading these books and things like that. And it's only clicked with me recently because like I did a lot of risky things and like just with money um, that like even even just setting up the LLC, I set one up and when I was in China, I, I started a company called Haiku Science Academy in Hong Kong. And I published a book to teach English, English teachers, foreign English teachers over there. And um, it was the first time that I did that. And then when I came to the U.S. in June last year is when I established my LLC in Virginia. And then, you know, the, the, I've just been working on it since then here and put and running a lot of other things through it. And then once you do that, there's tax benefits for writing things off and so on and so forth. But that's a little bit much for this conversation right now. But um, it's it's definitely not it, it is tedious. You're right. It's very tedious um, to do certain things, especially if your credit is low. But. Um, I just thought that that reading that is good. It's not the worst things that he said. He said some pretty crazy shit in his book. Jenny, uh, was listening yesterday to a podcast, um, with me, with a woman named, uh, Nomi Prince. And I know it would make some people cringe some of the stuff that he says, but I'm kind of with him on a lot of stuff that he says, but you know, it's, I'm glad it was a short chapter. It was an interesting read because just some of the stuff he was saying about, especially your brain slaves. Like, I was just like, this guy is just doesn't give a shit. So, Jenny, what's up? I just, I, you know, I love your enthusiasm for the ideas because I just think, you know, there's power in just talking about these these principles. You know, I was watching RFK every day. I make a movie and put it on my Substack, and I go find the funniest memes and news clips and just things that I can share that kind of gather the, the moment of the day. And so I saw this clip this morning of RFK Jr. on a talk show, and it just kind of knocked my socks off because he really just, you know, delineated where we're at in a very authentic way. So would you indulge me in sharing this clip? It's about three minutes. Oh, yeah, please do. Okay. That's his. She said to me, you know, the whole time I was, I was living paycheck to paycheck. And so, she said, by the way, so was I. Yeah. You can identify with that. And, you know, so, that is not fun. It's frightening. And she said, you know, we were talking about how depression and mental illness rates and suicide rates have risen just dramatically in this country. And she said, well, being poor makes you depressed because you're scared all the time and you think there's something wrong with you. And, you know, this is not the America that I Let me ask you, but I, I hear everything. I'm listening very closely to what you're saying. And you're saying that we can do better. And I agree with you. We have nearly, you know, over 60 percent of this country living paycheck to paycheck. The average American owes fifty four, fifty five thousand dollars in debt. Uh, people are cashing in their pensions to get bare necessities or they're putting stuff on credit cards at, you know, twenty two and a half percent interest rate. Now, I would argue that's part of the Biden economy. And and, you know, the only difference where we might where we might separate here is whether or not you think it ought to be a government program. I think it's free market economies that inspire entrepreneurs and you have the freedom and the ability to bring goods and services to market versus, say, the government giving you your bare necessities. I mean, yeah, of course, and, no, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to live on the government dole. Um, but uh, and it is. I mean, we don't have free market capitalism in this country. We have corporate crony capitalism. We have a... We have a system of, of cushy socialism for the super rich. And this, this uh, brutal, uh, kind of brutal, savage, merciless capitalism for the poor. And it's all designed to strip mine the middle class of this country of all of their equity, all of their assets, and move it to the upper echelons. And, and you know, the COVID lockdowns, with a final straw, COVID lockdowns, we created a billionaire a day, and this was Trump and Biden. 
of 500 days of lockdowns, we created a billionaire a day. We moved $4 trillion from the American middle class to the super rich. We uh, The people who came into the lockdown with, 30, with a billion dollars increased their wealth on average by 30%. And you can, you know, we closed 3.3 million businesses. And so in retrospect, uh, and, and I give for a period. That's pretty much it. But I love the, you know, the most cushy socialism for the rich. Yeah. And the so most he, hardcore capitalism for the poor. And it's the truth. So is, was he calling um, the, the crony, the corporate crony capitalism is the socialism for the rich? Yeah. He said yeah. that that's where we're at today. You've got, you know, the, and it really, you know, it's been going on all along, but, you know, the big payoffs after the um, bust in 2008 all went to the wealthy. You know, Mm -hmm. let's bail out the bankers. Let's bail out the bankers. While people were losing their homes and businesses. And um, I was one of those people. I have a home business and it just, you know, I was doing like $5,000 a month in sales for my online business. Mm -hmm. And after 2008, it went down to like 50 bucks a month. Wow. And so it wasn't a lot of money, you know, but it was enough to just, I'm, sure. I'm making some money, you know, I as mean, a homemaker. Just about $60,000 a year is not bad. Yeah, like a nice side income, and then it's just gone. And yeah. then we lost our home, and we lost our, eventually my husband lost his job, we lost our health care. We walked through the valley of the shadow of debt, you know, as a family. The shadow and, of debt. <laughs> it was not fun, you know, and I lost all of my credit. My husband didn't lose his, and we had... Because I had this home business, you know, um, my credit rating went down, but his stayed pretty solid. But, you know, we had to kind of come back and we've been doing that now for eight years. And we did what you said, Hakeem. I got just a little burner credit card at like 25% interest, had a $100 maximum on it. And I just started rebuilding my credit and I've been doing it ever since. Well, the thing it that- is slow. The thing that I did is, is much different because it, it didn't even have, like, any interest on it. It's, it's basically a debit card. You only can spend what you put on it. But the, the company Chime reports it as you paying because you've already put the money in there. They just report at the end of the month that you've paid that 10 bucks that you spent or whatever it is you spent at the end of the month. It's that's a it. They just want to see that you pay your bills. Right. And um, that's what I did. You know, when I was driving for Uber, all that money, you know, I kind of juggled it with and then eventually got a second card just again to rebuild my credit but you know it's constantly paying everything off that month and just yeah. trying to prove to anybody who wanted to notice i pay mm-hmm. my bills yeah it's a very big thing like the the, pay, the on-time payments of bills is is extremely important um yeah and i didn't declare bankruptcy i used one of those debt reduction programs that just kind of bundles it all together and helps you yeah you know, deal with it in a different way and i there was a day when we were in Utah when I paid off my final bill and I was just so happy to have that just off my back because, I know. you know, it's, it's so heavy when you're in debt like that. It is. I know. I know. I didn't know how to do a lot of this stuff for a while, even as I was trying to build business and everything. And I finally had to crunch down and say, okay, how do I fix this credit thing? Um, because then I started learning about business credit and then I really had to do that. Hey, Lysol. Um, I'm going to, take a, a, a call from somebody over on wisdom real quick and see what amos has to say do you have anything else to add jenny no thanks for letting me share my story all right thank you for always uh, being supportive all right i got amos um waterbury over here on uh wisdom joining in and three two one <clears throat> amos how you doing what's up my dog
because uh, it's not designed to be uh, something that, that keeps the American dream alive. Uh, it's mainly just designed to keep everybody that's up in the higher offices happy and they're driving their yachts and everything like that. Everybody else, you know, just, you know, they don't they don't care what happens at that point. Um, so, really, with capitalist attitude, um, sad to say, even today, it doesn't mind if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Um, it's you just really have to come to grips with the fact that if you want true freedom. Um, America does offer it, but I mean, you've got to be in a good company, you know. And I might say that factory jobs are terrible. You no, know, I was just telling this to my friend. And if you can find a good factory job where the guys actually care about the people that they're working with and not just concerned about making a buck or filling, uh, what do you call those? graphs, um, then, yeah, that's a good good job. But most factory jobs, your boss really doesn't give two flips about you, right? You're just there making money for him and then also increasing money for the company um, and letting him keep his job, right? So for me, capitalism, capitalists were trying to be defensive against all that. I've always thought of is we need to hammer in this concept of entrepreneurship. Um, I had the ability this year to kind of launch into the whole door-to-door sales world, and I learned how a lot of people out there are entrepreneurs, and they're doing stuff like investing in real estate and doing all of these things. Um, so again, am I saying that it's bad to work for corporate America or, you know, like a nine to five? For me, it is. Um, I, you know, I've had people suggest because I don't have a job right now, right? Kind of sort of in between jobs. Neither do I. I'm a terrible uh, employee. Huh? So neither do I. I just quit my job because I'm a terrible employee. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't ever want to work for a nine to five or anything like that um, in the concept of of it just being a job, right? I at least want to be enjoy what I'm doing and knowing that what I'm doing has an effect on somebody in a, in a supernatural way. Like, if I go to McDonald's and I make a burger, I'm making sure people have food to eat, but they could make a burger at home and it's twice as good. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that whoever does make it knows how to cook. So, well, you know, that's, assuming that that's interesting because that's one of the stories that he tells in the book that anybody can make a better hamburger than McDonald's, but McDonald's just has a good system. Yeah, because, and the system is, is people are relying on corporate America to keep them going instead of allowing the spirit of entrepreneurship to be what drives them. Like half the people that work at McDonald's actually want to go to college or maybe they're in college, right? But instead of working at McDonald's when you're in college, try finding a friend that is doing his business where it's fast food, but it's it's healthy fast food, you know? It's not, you know, mass-produced, you know? So just those things and helping people build their businesses to get yours going so my plan is i'm about to go you know to college in september um for a bachelor's in food science and if i do a job it's going to be let's say i work at chick-fil-a right um that is an awesome establishment and i've noticed that even though it is a fast food restaurant they actually care about you know, all of the employees. You can definitely tell that there is a loving, friendly, even God, as goes far as to say, godly atmosphere in any Chick-fil-A you go to. It's clean, it's, you know, representable, and I haven't had seen too many, like, fights or... Well, 
I don't think like that breakout. I don't eat there, but I've heard that it's a um, it's a it's a good place. I've heard good things about it. Um, I'm I'm cutting you off, but I wanted to share something too about. No, no you're good. About, I didn't know how much time I had, so no, it's kind of actually fine. wrap it up. The for a um, the uh, one thing I wanted to share was, you know, as when Jenny just played the the recording with um with Mr. Kennedy. And um, he talked about there's crony, there's corporate crony capitalism, and also Robert Kiyosaki also makes this distinction, distinction where he says that um, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, what matters is how you acquire your wealth. And so I'm of the mindset that you can tap into the system of capitalism and use it in a way that um, basically is what he talks about that you can do it in an honorable way and you can do it in a way that uplifts the world rather than using the crony, the corporate crony capitalist system which actually debases people, um, enslaves people, and takes advantage of them. So, I just... Real think, estate, my people. Freaking real estate is where it's at. Yeah, well, you know, uh, some people will say that that's... Um, I, there's a guy on call-in here, um, Marco, who says that that's exploiting people. Um, but... Uh, Everybody has a different opinion, and we kind of have to figure it out for uh, our own um, how we're going to do it. So, do you have anything else that you wanted to share, uh, Amos? Yeah, the last thing I wanted to bring up because um, it's funny you should mention that because I was just going to bring up. So, there's two different uh, avenues of you know how you, can, you know investing in real estate and. I actually know a guy, um, so he's actually part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, he's a member, I'm a member, etc. Pretty much everybody work with. Um, and he says that if you're going to do real estate, then, number one, make sure that you, know, you have a place uh, to live yourself, right? Make sure you're living comfortably. Um, and then the idea is to get more real estate and houses and stuff like that so you can not take money from people, but you can show them how something as simple as owning a house um, can just set you for life. You don't have to work at a 9-to-5. You don't have to go work at a you know, you know, big tech job to be successful, but you do have to find out what makes you happy, right? And one of the things is, is if you have real estate, you have the ability to do so much um, things. Now, well, do some that's research because you got to be careful about me, that. What I love, owning a home is not always an asset. You got to remember that it's to, it's how you you use it, whether or not it's an asset or not. But um, I'm not saying that you don't. Well, know you got to rent first, and then you pay. You know, you rent. And then when you have your money to buy out that house, then you buy it, and then you start letting somebody else rent it, and then you get another property, right? Well, That's the smart way to go about you it, might so have you don't a, go in debt. Interesting idea. I don't know if that's um, – I don't, I don't understand exactly what, what you mean that, by that. Maybe you should talk to me about that later because um, I'm not giving anybody any financial advice or anything like that, so um, – yeah, yeah, no, no, it's just, I mean, everybody has a different perspective, but I don't know, I know there's lots of ideas of what real estate investing is. There's people out there that, you know, are, you know, do take advantage of people, and that's just not the right way to do real estate. But um, when you're actually helping yourself, and then you start helping people get into houses, and they don't have to go through you know, banks because they're going through you, it becomes beautiful because you can help people that are kind of on the low end of things. They don't have really good credit help them build their credit up so they can do more in the future. But at the same time, if they rent from you, they have the ability to, you know, kind of fix that without having to go through their financial institution or make their credit worse. Amos, let me ask you, you a know, question. Have you taken any real estate investing courses or classes or anything like that? I might, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been taking it with my um, 
this guy that's been doing it for let's see, fifteen plus years. Yeah, and he has over fifteen properties. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, well, I appreciate you sharing that with me, and um, and uh, just opening up and let us know what's going on with you. I definitely wish you um, the best in in uh, you know digging yourself out of your hole. And you know, I'm glad it sounds like you're optimistic and you feel like you um, you, you you feel like you you seem like you're optimistic about the future and that you can make a change that you want to. By the way, uh, Jenny here. Uh, she's also, um, uh, Jenny, you're, you're part of the uh, Mormon church, right? Yep. They asked us not to call ourselves Mormons anymore. They want oh. us to call ourselves Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because people get confused. Okay. Well, that's what he just said uh, on, on here. Oh, um, I got um, Truly Julie is on here next. So, Amos, I'm going to take that call from her real quick and say what's up. But thank you for um, coming up and saying hello. I appreciate you. Amos. Thank you, Amos. I'm going to take the call from Truly Julie here. All right. Julie, it's been a while. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I just thought I'd pop up and say hello. Oh, hello. How are you, Kim? I'm doing all right. You're getting good grades. Um, My future's so bright, I gotta wear shoes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, that's my attitude all the time. Um, over the last couple of months, I suppose. Yeah, quite a few months now. I've been like riding on this bodyboard, this huge wave. And the wave is change. Uh, that's everything. That's uh, where I live, what I earn, how I eat. All of it has been a real turbulent kind of wave. And uh, through that wave, I've been lucky that I've got people around me that kind of keep me smooth. They keep me kind of in line. They kind of remind me that it's possible that I don't have to stand on the bodyboard. I can just lie for the length of it just wait and see what happens, wait and see where I land up. And when I kind of, because I'm looking at it, I'm seeing, you know, for me, the word capitalist, kind of, I have to sit with it quietly, because inside me, it makes me roar. It triggers a lot of people. Yes, yes, it does. And I think the people that it triggers the most and maybe people that are riding that bodyboard, you know, we're trying to navigate through. Sorry, yeah. I was just a call. Sorry about that, Kim. Okay. That's a bit rude. Um, well, you know. Well, we're trying. To, yeah, we're trying to kind of navigate without having to fall into the trap that capitalism represents. And that is the need to have. I think sometimes when we just have a look at it, you know, see what see what's necessary. Keep it simple. Keep it really simple, and that kind of oh, takes the pressure so. off a little. What do you think of that? Um, I well, I'm very stuck in my head about a certain thing that I know that people are triggered, but. I consider that there are two um, distinct forms of capitalism. There's corporate crony capitalism, which most people are hurt by, and that's probably why a lot of people are triggered. And then there's uh. there's true free market capitalism, which can be done with a spirit of entrepreneurship and a desire to actually do something that's going to help people. And so I think that a lot of people don't experience that and uh. don't know that it can be that. used and don't. No, understand that it can be used that way but I mean oh. you may know some business owners that don't go around hurting people that are not Walmart and Amazon and different things like that um, oh. and, and maybe they're just really quiet about it but I think that's what, what happens 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. The, um, the, the noise seems to come from the trigger, so to speak. Well, you know... That's why we don't always see the gentle person that is... It's doing okay, they've got it organised. They realise that there needs to be some sort of organisation so that they can fill their cup, which can then overflow. When it overflows, obviously, it feeds other cups. That's my kind of uh, description of what you've just said, of, of a cat capitalism, you know. And that's, that's not, not bad, but you don't hear about it enough. No, we only hear enough. the hard side, don't we? The corporate side is what we hear, which really rags on our defences. We whack these defences up quite harshly because of that. You know, it's a, I think a it's intentional that we give. Sorry? I think it's intentional. Yeah. Divide and conquer. Yeah, absolutely. Keep every people time. from real financial education and stop them from striving and wanting to learn because so many people say, have... have triggered by the words money, by finance, by capitalism, yeah. and so if you're triggered by that, it, yeah, I think that it keeps a lot of people from exploring it, um, because you don't I have agree. to... You don't have it's to, got gatekeepers, There's, you've got gatekeepers that, that, that enjoy that, that, that's, you know, if I can kick a gatekeeper in the face, I will, you know, because that is what keeps the divide. You know, so you have to have a certain amount of money to get a, a decent education to allow you then to utilize well, the tools. I don't know. I'm in such a different place right now where I'm not sure about it's Yes, education is important, but it's the kind of education that people are getting. And there's just a, a certain way of doing things, um, you know, that that I've learned just by trial and error and also combining that with with reading and trying to put things into practice that I've learned. So it's, it's, it's very simple, but it's not easy. Like there's a lot of things that are simple to understand, but they're not easy to do. And a lot of stuff seems to go over a lot of people's head. And a lot of people actually really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Cause I hear some of the stuff that people are saying, and I'm just like, that's not what's happening. Like people just don't get some of the steps that are doing. And I'm not saying that I always did or else I would have been doing this stuff a long time ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're know. here now, you know, Hakeem. I've been reading these books for 20 years and I'm just space. now getting stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you're opening the space for people like me that, like I said, as soon as I see the word capitalist, it forms uh, some kind of concoction in my mind of thoughts. And, you know, it drew me here so I could talk to you because I know that you're going to give me another perspective that may allow a little bit of color into my own you know right. that's that's why i cannot say hello really, well if that's all that's i can do i mean do. that's yeah. i'm i'm constantly shifting my perspective and i'm always listening to people also who have uh, quite opposing views but i just like the fact that mm. we're all able to at least still have a dialogue for the most part and be civil about it yeah yeah i'd agree with that too Kakeem, I think the world of you. I just wanted to pop up and say hello and get the opportunity while I'm still awake. It's some kind of silly time in the UK to say I think the world of you. I love you loads and it's great to hear you. I appreciate you. Lots of love back to you. Take care, my darling. We'll speak soon. Rest well. All right. Okay, well, it's been an hour now. Um, Does life lull? say um before i i'm going to shut down my my wisdom talk and we can hang out here if you guys want to but did you guys want to have any say anything more on the matter of uh of capitalist self-defense from the capitalist manifesto or did one of you guys want to open up another room and we can hang out there while i'm i'm working and reading all these crazy books over to, to uh, Danny's room and we can pester her over there. Okay. Does she have one open? She's gonna, she just put in the chat, she's gonna um, open up one right now. Right, Danny? Okay. I was eating my lunch, so I wasn't reading it's the all, chat. It's all good. I'm drinking coffee for the first time in like a month and a half because I've been 
burn it up. I'm going to make sure I don't make this a habit again. I can get really easily addicted to coffee, so I'm taking it easy. But yeah, let's go over to uh, Danny's room and um, and hang out there, and we can bombard her with capitalist talk, too. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Um, Lysol, <laughs> thank you for your, your comments. <laughs> and BK, uh, I see you there. What's up, brother? Um, we're going to go over to Danny's room and hang out over there. How you doing, BK, by the way? You good? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. So you'll yeah, be jumping yeah, over I'm to Danny's right good as to well? Yeah, I'm good to see you, man. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys over there. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on uh, Wisdom and Calling. This was uh, Capitalist Self-Defense from the Capitalist Manifesto. It's Chapter 8 in the book by Robert Kiyosaki. It was published in 2021. He's the best-selling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad from 1997, also the Cash Flow Quadrant, 1998, and several other books. I actually just read um, two and a half books. I read a book from 2017. It's called Why the Rich Get Richer from uh, 2019. I just finished reading Fake, uh, Fake Money, Fake Teachers, Fake Assets, How Lies Are Making the Middle Class and Poor Get Poorer. And I'm finishing up here the Capitalist Manifesto, and then I, um, I'm going to move on to some other stuff while I'm doing my best to put these things in action. So again, thanks guys for joining me. I'm going to go hang out and call in over here with Danny, and appreciate you guys all. Thank you um, for coming up, Amos Waterbury, and truly, Julie, love you. Thanks for coming up and saying hello. And um, everybody on Wisdom, I'll just say hello for to uh, Desiree Sotelo, Jason B. Hey, what's up, Cecilia Grace? Uh, oh, by the way, Cecilia, I'm in Richmond. I've been here since Friday. I got to go back to Virginia Beach tomorrow, but I'm loving this place. I actually might, I'm thinking of moving here. Jason Kinte, Devin uh, Roig, here, Daryl with the dashes, Marcy Ann, Doobie. Um, truly, Julie, thanks again. Uh, praise, Mugwiza. Hey, Graciela Moore. Uh, Amos, thanks again for coming up. Spen and Joy, Robert Thomas, Mary Kay, Shmariahu Rubenshik, miss you, brother. Yusuf Wasserman, hello, hello. Uh, Teddy Blunt, Gladys Kilonga, Dr. Robert James Goodman. I got that message about your book. Thanks for letting me know that it's out there. Um, you guys check that out. Lois Hampson, Bobby Vivench, Roy, Karaoke Box, Nikita, and Sonny. All right, you guys. Stay well. Till next time. Hey, Mark. <laughs>